This is episode 12, Life Eternal. Did you know that you can have a great relationship with your adult children, even if you have faith differences? My name is Candace Clark. I'm a mom, a professional certified life coach with advanced certification in faith-based coaching, and a member of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you're willing to make more room for difference in your family and your church, I can show you how. Let's go. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a great day today. Today, I am talking about thoughts. As I share some of my thoughts and some thoughts I found in scripture, I want you to remember that in a manner of speaking, thoughts are neither true nor untrue. They're just what we think. It's helpful to think of thoughts as what we focus on. And thoughts are important because they create our experience of our lives. Today, I'm going to share some thoughts I have about eternal life. In a later episode, I will share some thoughts about thinking celestial and how it can be that different people have different responses to that phrase because they have different thoughts and feelings about it. Now, I'm not saying that my thoughts today or ever are the truth or that anyone else's thoughts are not the truth. I'm willing to be wrong, and it's helpful to me to think this way. I feel more love and peace, and I behave in a more Christ-like way when I think this way. Your experience may be different than mine. The same sentence can create different feelings for different people. When I come across thoughts that don't bring me peace, I might wrestle with them a while until I come to peace. Sometimes that peace comes from setting that thought aside and deciding not to focus on it. Okay, here's my thought experiment on the meaning of eternal life. In Latter-day Saint scripture, God told Moses This is my work and my glory, to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. Emmanuel from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints says that eternal life or exaltation is to live in God's presence and to continue as families. In John 17, Jesus defines it this way, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. When we're baptized in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, we talk about that as entering the path that leads to eternal life. The prophet Nephi taught, Wherefore, do the things which I have told you I have seen that your Lord and your Redeemer should do. For for this cause have they been shown unto me, that ye might know the gate by which ye should enter. For the gate by which ye should enter is repentance and baptism by water, and then cometh the remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. And then are ye in this straight and narrow path which leads to eternal life. Yea, ye have entered in by the gate, ye have done according to the commandments of the Father and the Son. And ye have received the Holy Ghost, which witnesses of the Father and the Son, unto the fulfilling of the promise which he hath made that if ye entered in by the way, ye should receive. This gate 
is a metaphor. There is no actual gate. There is no universal path. I was in a church class recently where someone pointed out that straight and narrow actually means narrow and narrow. It does not mean direct or in a straight line. The word straight, S-T-R-A-I-T, can be used in reference to a situation characterized by a specified degree of trouble or difficulty and has meant in the past of limited spatial capacity, narrow or cramped. All of which, my classmate pointed out, tend toward a very individual experience where there is only room for one person in the path. What she offered is that there isn't a single path. There are as many paths as there are people, each path with room only for that one person entering into it with Jesus. There's always room for Jesus. In a sense, our lives are not about other people. The question is never what someone else is going to do on their path. Our lives are about us. The question is, am I doing what I have seen Jesus do? Am I inviting Jesus to be with me? Am I letting him in? Whether someone else is doing what Jesus has done and continues to do and will continue to do eternally, that is none of my business. So when someone is struggling, it isn't my job to show up and tell them they're doing it wrong. I have no way of really truly knowing their path. Their path is different than my path. My job is to do as best I can whatever it is that I think Jesus would do if he were there with them. And it's helpful to remember that he has already atoned for them. Saving them is not part of my responsibility. Behaving in ways that demonstrate full faith and confidence in the atonement of Jesus Christ is the best thing I can do. Never mind what my children are doing. Am I relying wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save? Nephi goes on in this passage from the Book of Mormon, Wherefore, ye must press forward with a steadfastness in Christ, having a perfect brightness of hope, and a love of God and of all men. Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. This raises a pretty key question for parents of kids who don't come to church. How is it possible for us as parents to have eternal life if our loved ones are not on the so-called covenant path? If eternal life is to live in God's presence and to continue as families, how can that happen when our children are not doing the things we've been taught lead to happiness and eternal life? One more verse from 2 Nephi chapter 31, verse 21. And now, behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under heaven whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. And now, behold, this is the doctrine of Christ, and the only and true doctrine of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God, without end. Amen. My fellow parents, the work of obtaining eternal life is ours to do not our children's to do for us. It's our work to become like God. God is the constant here. We are the variable. Our ability to receive and abide God's presence fluctuates. God's presence doesn't change. 
for us or for our children. Please remember that God already has eternal life, and many of God's children are not keeping the commandments. This begs the question, what is eternal life? I have come to believe that eternal life is simply being like God, like our heavenly parents, like Jesus. One of the names we have for Jesus is I am. Jesus simply is who he is, no matter what is going on around him. The more we learn to become like Jesus, the more loving we are, the more capacity we have to experience joy. None of this is a place we need to get to or earn entry into. It's a way of being that opens us up inside to be able to experience the quality of eternal life wherever we are. We can love and embrace our children, even though they aren't loving and embracing the church. They may not even be loving and embracing us. Those circumstances are independent of our own ability to be loving ourselves. The man who came running to Jesus wanting the key to eternal life had done the external things, checking the commandment boxes, but his unwillingness to share with the poor and follow Jesus prevented him from experiencing the love and joy available by doing those things, or rather, by being that disciple. It isn't that he didn't make the cut. It's that he didn't want to become that person, at least not yet. If we're reading this story and thinking how it applies to our children, or anyone else, we're reading it wrong. The most useful thing is to think about the ways we aren't quite ready ourselves to be generous with the people around us who supposedly haven't earned what we have, as if anyone actually earns love and belonging. We all have room to grow here, and the only people we have control over are ourselves. Please also remember about this man that Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Whether we are the man robbed on the road to Jericho, or the priest, or the Levite who passes by without helping, Jesus loves us. He will come and bind up our wounds and fill the gaps we cannot fill with our human limitation. And the more we become like him, the more fully we realize that experiencing the love that binds up wounds is its own reward. It is a way of being more fully ourselves to help others be more fully themselves. And Jesus said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. The challenge that is before us is getting over ourselves, our own ego, our own ideas of what's possible and what isn't. Eternal life is a way of being, not an external reward. It's possible for each one of us, no matter what anyone else in our lives is doing or not doing. There isn't a club to join or a place to be left out of. There is only a person to become. Heavenly Father's plan is a perfect plan. Our understanding of it is not perfect. Our application of it is not perfect. The atonement of Jesus Christ covers all of that. Learning how to live on earth prepares us for how to live forever. What we get to take with us into the next life is our growth. The most important way we can grow is in our capacity to love. 
I believe our ability to love everyone in our story will bless us and bless our children in ways we can't yet grasp. Remember, there are no empty chairs. Hey there! If you enjoy this podcast, or even if you just find that it piques your curiosity or makes you think, please follow it and share it with your friends. Your rating and review makes it easier for others to find the podcast. If you'd like to find more from me, the coach for moms whose kids don't come to church, please go to my website, CandaceClarkCoaching.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Candace Clark Coaching. Thanks for listening.